down to the white meat. Welcome to uh, another episode of Down to the White Meat, the podcast. I am C. Anderson with my lovely co-host, Nakia Lowry. We are both licensed professional counselors, and we are here to help Black folks, especially, get real about our-ish. We believe in healing ourselves and starting from the inside out, and we are so glad that you can join us for today. All right, folks, so this episode is probably going to ruffle a lot of feathers, but we believe that that is how you get to true authenticity, and this is how we heal. Today's episode is entitled Hypocrisy. A little play on hypocrisy, but what we're really going to be discussing today is the news that came out about uh, Pastor John Gray, the pastor of Relentless church and even other uh, acts of what some may consider hypocrisy. And we're going to talk about the psychology behind this, how you can heal and how you can be authentic in your own life. Nakia, say hello to the people. Hello, people. Girl, I I hope they're ready for this, this episode. I know a lot of what we're saying, um, even from the clinical perspective, some in the church, and we're talking about the Christian uh, faith, but we know there are, there are leaders in other religions, and so this also applies um, in other religions. But in the church, a lot of what we know about psychology, emotional intelligence, self-efficacy, a lot of, a lot of what we know and believe, we know that the church kind of, kind of frowns their face um, up at it. So I kind of want to talk about, about that also. So, so tell us about John Gray. I know you saw the video. Can you walk us through uh, what has happened? So apparently there has been another woman. Um, we know that uh, Pastor John Gray has had a history of infidelities. Mm. And there was another woman that recently um, from my understanding, she was threatening to expose him. She had been recording, screenshotting, and and what have you, their indiscretions. And so he decided to come out and confess um, what was occurring. And I wanted to, um, as I was talking to C about it, initially most of the videos and, and articles and things I had saw were others' perspectives. And so I, I specifically sought out to find something that represented like his true feelings of what was going on. So mm-hmm. there's a video of John Gray um, on YouTube and he proceeds to talk about, uh, you know, these indiscretions and, and, and kind of give his, you know, confession and apology. Um, and you guys can, you know, you can go, you, you can go view it, uh, Here's the concern with, uh, and we're going to go into even further in depth about leadership in the church and and the hypocrisy behind it. (laughs) So John Gray, he starts off by talking about how he wanted everyone to kind of be clear and be able to receive this from us, you know, a place of, um, uh, 
a healthy place, a, a place where you're clear about his expectations or his sincerity. That's a better word, his, his sincerity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he started talking about how, you know, even leaders uh, have their, their struggles, which is true. Um, he went on to say, uh, he went into a defensive mode um, where he began to talk about and minimize his action. Mm. So he's about to apologize, but what you but you were picking up on the fact that his his words or demeanor began very defensive. Yes, he was defensive. He was defensive mm. because anytime you're giving an apology and you started by defending yourself. You're being, you're defensive. I mean, the very act of, you know, defending is defensive, right? It's defensive. So he began to minimize his behaviors by saying that he never had any physical relations with any woman other than his wife. So these, these uh, indiscretions, uh, this history of infidelities that he has, he always, he has continued to say that it was all an emotional affair, if you will. Hmm. So if it's an emotional affair and not a physical one, it's not that bad. That's, he said, ah. as bad as this is, it's not that bad. Basically, that's what he said. That's what he's saying. <laughs> so, he's, so he's qualifying the degree of his sin. As a, uh, as a pastor and the leader of the Ooh. church, Ooh. he did know scripture. Because scripture says that even if you think, you know, you yes. the thought, right, the lusting, you've already, you've already committed that, that act. Oh, but he forgot that while he was giving the apology. Yeah, he must have forgot that. He must have forgot that. He must have forgot that sin is sin. Mm. I, I, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I was a little confused watching his because I thought he was about to come from a place of him being very transparent wow. and apologetic. I mean, cause really yeah. he prayed for the whole congregation. Not so, I mean, he, you know, uh, as a Christian, you know, and I've seen this so much, of course we should pray for him. He's still a man of God, but there's a level of uh, expectation. There's a level of responsibility when you're in a place of leadership that needs to be demonstrated. Yes. And yes. so and that I'm, you're not leading the strength. Right. And I believe that great position calls for great reconciliation. I agree. Yeah. What does um, that look like to me? What do you think, you know? That, to me, honestly, to me, there's so much power in the truth and there's so much freedom in the truth. And and ten percent lie is still one hundred percent truth. Right. Right. So him appearing to come up and say, you know, this is what happened, and then kind of go into. I'm not sure if, um, in the rest of it, you know, he's probably putting some scripture in there, probably trying to, you know, draw back in his his audience, his congregation, you know, kind of hype them up much like a sermon uh, would do to, to kind of play on those emotions. Um, that's not, that's not authentic because this was my, my thought was, wow, he has a, a really great opportunity to, to grow up. And to, to, lead. Mature, 
to mature and to truly lead people because he is essentially the mediator between his congregation and and God, the an all-knowing God, a God that saw those text messages, uh, those face those FaceTimes, you know. He's that mediator, but you're the mediator, but you can't even let truth get, get through to you. Can you imagine who he may have been seeking that, waiting intensely mm-hmm. for him mm-hmm. to go there because they were seeing themselves in him. And then mm-hmm. for him to like, you know, again, he's man, but he's leader. He's a leader. Yeah. You have, yeah. To, you have, to, you have to take that into account, that power yeah. dynamic. Right. Yes. It's a power differential. So, so you as a leader, this is why, this is why companies don't allow fraternization um, on their, you know, on their premises or within their company, because there is a different, there's a power differential between the people that you lead and the leaders. You have a certain amount of, of say so you have a certain amount of really being able to manipulate, right, to change around a situation in the way that you wish to. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, you can't muddy the waters because there has to be a very defined line. And what he's doing by not being truthful is muddying the waters and portraying himself as, you know, yeah, I sin, but I don't have to own up to it. I'm, 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 I'm pastor. Because think about this, think about this on your job, right? You know, a job where you're just paying people to work. This has nothing to do with their salvation. You know, on a job, if you are a supervisor, what happens if you come in late, your files or your your reports aren't done on time, um, you aren't living up to the expectation of who you're supposed to be in that supervisory uh, position, and then you get called out on it and you say, you know what? I know I'm your supervisor, but, you know, I didn't slack like you thought I was, right? You're not saying, you know what? I need to get myself together. I need to be better for you all. I need to lead by example. That's problematic. You would lose your job. But in this case, where this man is leading folks to Christ, helping them grow in their relationship, in their families, you know, in just their lives as a whole, he's still going to be in that position of power and likely still do the same thing. Right. Lack of remorse and lack of acknowledgement does not bring change, does not bring repentance, right? To repent means to turn away and go a completely different direction, right? This is not going to do that. He hasn't turned away yet. If you're not, he has not turned away in in the face and and, and look that sin in the face and say, "This is what I did." Not, I did this, but right, because the but essentially negates the fact that you did it. The but says, "I did it," but there were there was reasoning behind it until he can say. And this is the the sad part. I wondered how many men in his congregation or women, for that matter, had been stepping out or committing adultery or being unfaithful to their partners who said to themselves, if he comes clean, so will I. If he comes clean, I will too. I will go to my partner, ask for forgiveness and try to heal myself and heal my marriage. But he didn't do that. So he's almost reinforcing 
the behavior, essentially. There's probably a man or a woman that watched that and said, oh, okay, so, so, so since I didn't have sex with my work spouse, right, my work husband, my work uh, wife, it wasn't infidelity. I'm good. I'm not going to say anything. So that is the part that is difficult for me to affirm and get on board with because it, it I said it last week, it flows from him down into the congregation. And someone very wise said to me that an undisciplined disciple is a dangerous man. And from what we are learning, from what he is saying, from what the, the, the videos, the screenshots, from what they are saying, he is an undisciplined man. I mean, think about his sermons. He literally gave a sermon about to women about not walking in, you know, what is it, in, as a girlfriend or their girlfriend spirit? Not walking in yeah. that girlfriend spirit. But yeah. you, you, you over here... Mm. doing what sir right doing what sir and with who because this is a thing when people yes. cheat and I hope the audience really hears what I'm about to say and we know this from the work that we do when people cheat there is never just one person you need, I think you might need to repeat okay okay I'm going to repeat it then when your partner or you if you're listening when people cheat there is never just one person. So, ma'am, if you're finding out that he is uh, involved with another woman, there are others. That's just the one that you're aware of. Yep. That's just the one. It's like Lay's. You can't eat just one potato chip. If you're going to do it, you're going to probably go all out. You're going to have one available for when your side piece or your, your main ain't you know, available, ain't around. That's human nature. That is just, that's, that's basic psychology. That's not us drawing, you know, conclusion arbitrarily. That is, that is like, that is human behavior, human behavior. And I've learned, Nakia, that there are people who are faithful and there are people that cheat. And it's going to take an act of Congress and God to change that person to really do some serious work for them to be faithful and to walk in a place of fidelity. And from what I've seen and from what you say about that confession, for what was supposed to be a confession, he has not done that. He is not ready to do that work. And his wife is going to continue to find out about women, to find out about other indiscretions or out of bound relationships interactions that's going to remain a part of their relationship and Akia I think that we were talking about uh, earlier in an earlier episode you know if you know that sexuality is a very strong desire for you or you desire more than one person there are people that have open marriages and relationships if that's what you want, do that. But don't continue to betray the trust of the person you're making believe that you're faithful. Right. That is betrayal. Not only that, but if we want to get into the psychology of it all, even, even of course, in the, as, as far as the power dynamic within the leadership role, mm -hmm. but also make no mistakes about it. 
just as emotional and spiritual abuse. <laughs> Absolutely. Spiritual I mean, harm. This, yes, Nakia, just like we talked about in a previous episode, if you all haven't heard that episode, um, I believe it's episode seven where we have Margaret on and we talk about religious harm, specifically in the black church. This is an, this is an example of religious harm. Yes. That's what this is. Yes. Mm. And while we're, we're tr- while the church is trying to defend, make excuses for, accept <laughs> this behavior, understand mm-hmm. that there is a wife over here and other women, you know, being that are seeing this or have been a victim of, like I said, his sermons. Mm. And condemned. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And judged. And you know what, Nakia, I'm seeing, I have seen people of, of God condemn women who have been raped. Yeah. Condemn women who have gotten pregnant out of, out of wedlock. I'm talking about you can't sing in the choir anymore. Yeah. I'm talking about you can't usher or greet or work with the youth because you are now pregnant. Right. So she's, She's getting set down, all the way down. And but that this gets what? <laughs> but this, a person in a much higher, more significant, more influential role oh, is being excused. When we excuse this behavior, it reinforces it and it grows stronger. There will be more of it. Yeah. That's what human behavior says. There was um, just, you know, the commentary that I've heard. I heard one uh, young man who considers himself to be a relationship coach. He kind of said a lot of the things that you're saying. And he said that, uh, he said, John Gray is not going to stop. No, he's not going to stop. He said that, but what he said was, he said he's not going to stop for the, for one, because it, you know, the behavior is continuously being reinforced. Nobody's holding him accountable. So in that, in the sense that he's not being held accountable, it's being reinforced that this is okay. So there's mm-hmm. that. The other thing he said, and this may need to be a whole nother uh, show, but he Put a said, pen in it. <laughs> he said that she is, I, I, and I don't want to pronounce her name wrong, so I'm not going to say it. He said that she is his starter wife. Mm. What is this starter wife? Mm. I've seen this this dynamic play out before, so there's some some validity to what he's saying. Where you're the starter wife is the wife, the woman that held you down, was there when you had nothing, you know, Mm. know, went through the trenches with you, and then you came up. Now, in your mind, she ain't good enough. Mm. So let me trade her in, type mentality. Mm-hmm. Whether that will play out, you know, it remain, re- remains to be seen. But what is clear is that he doesn't respect her. That's, that is. <laughs> and I, I don't can't care. Talk I, about he, that. You know, gives his accolades. He, do, it, he does not respect her. He doesn't respect her. He even, from what I understand, is there's recordings of him actually degrading her. Oh yeah, he told he told the woman uh, in the video because that I did see. I saw when when the story first I guess broke. 
he's talking to the woman on FaceTime. He's like, you know, my wife doesn't even cook for me. You know, we eat pizza every day, don't we, son? And then he takes the camera and puts his son uh, on camera to validate the degradation, the degradation that he just, um, you know, mentioned about his wife. And got his <laughs> his son co-signing. The son goes, he goes, what do we eat every night? He goes, pizza. Told you. So it's not just Her. his his uh, <laughs> infidelities. He don't. He. I mean. I mean. I guess you could argue that when, whenever there's infidelity, there's there's a lack of respect. But he. I mean, this is he does not respect this woman. That value is not there. I don't whether they can back. <laughs> but yeah. that value is not there. Yeah, that's At clear. That's clear. So what we spoke? What are we supposed to do? We gonna pray about it. <laughs> Messing with you. <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Because I think, you know, there needs to be some action behind that. There, there needs to be some action. There needs to be. There needs to be some action. I think that um, there needs to be some action on both parts. Absolutely. Yeah. So both he and her, I think that there needs to be accountability because one, in some way or shape or form, she is contributing and creating an environment for these things to happen. And let me say what I mean. And by no, by no means and in no way am I saying that she is the cause of his infidelity. People cheat because they want to. Yes. What I am saying is that by her remaining in the marriage after one and two and then this the third time, she is reinforcing the, the belief, right, whether it's subconscious or not, that I will stay no matter what you do. And I will help you make up excuses. And I will help you not cover, because I know a lot of people know about the covering of things in marriage. This isn't covering. This is enabling. There's a difference. Talk about There's a difference. Talk about that difference. Okay. So so the difference in covering says this. Covering says you have laid it bare. And I am here to support you for you to get the help, support that you need. I'm not concerned about this power, this position of power, the money, the, the politics, the, the perks that come with your position. But we are going to do what's necessary to really and truly get you healed. But enabling says this. Enabling says, I take your repeated emotional and, and spiritual and psychological and, and abuse and even though I don't like it, I'm right here with you. It's almost if you if you did it like if you took it like this, this example, you have an addict. Have you ever watched the show Intervention? They always show the enablers. Yeah. The enabler, the whole time the enabler is enabling the 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 addict, they're saying, I hate when he uses, you know, but I, I'm gonna i I'm gonna take him to to, to meet his dealer. Or I'm going to put him in the tub when he owes ODs. Or I'm not going to call the police when I find things in my home, like, you know, drug paraphernalia or drug content. I'm just, I'm going to always say I don't like it. Codependency. The codependent dynamic. That is enabling. And his wife has said, you know, I think the first time he cheated or the second time he cheated, 
she she said something in a sermon or at church in public and she was like you know and this is an attack against my marriage and this is the devil and she was speaking to the 16 year old in my in, you know in my husband okay so that tells me a couple of things that tells me that you're 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 putting accountability for his act not on him the person not on him the flesh not on him the being the 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 mind the body the the sexual person that he is you're blaming the devil this you're blaming the devil then you're also blaming the other woman yep and you're and you're blaming his childhood trauma whatever happened when he was 15 16 didn't get attention and you still haven't forced him to get help and right now you're still saying the same thing i think someone told me and i didn't watch it but i'm um this is second hand to me but said that what she said was you know, you don't have to stay for foolishness or, you know, you don't have to stay in foolishness. But, ma'am, you're still there. And the woman that told me that, Nakia, said, wow, that. that's that's strength. No, ma'am, that's not strength. That's BS. That's what it is. That That's saying I made this commitment to be, a, you know, and I'm going to withstand this abuse and I'm not going to leave. And I'm going to have my children subjected to this because I'm a good Christian woman. And that's, that's some, what you're called to that's do. That's a BS. That is not ministry. No, it's not ministry. And that's not, that is not the nature of God. Right. And we need to stop preaching that kind of hypocrisy because that's what that is. And it's shameful in the face of God. It is absolutely shameful. But you know what the church will say? This is the same kind of stuff uh, that the church is doing right now involving uh, his indiscretion that people do in families when, when a child says, I've been abused. The family covers it up. They don't call the police. They don't take that child for, um, or even I've abused someone. You know, your son uh, or your daughter has molested someone else and you do nothing but I'm going to I'm 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 keep you away from from so-and-so, so you can't do it again. Because that's all his wife will do. She's going to try to keep him and manage him to, so that he doesn't have time or, you know, or she's, she's, he's not out of her sight. That's how she's going to manage that. She's not interested, interested in learning how he doesn't respect her and the fact that she doesn't respect him or the deficits that cause her to remain in the situation. She's yeah. not going to examine those things because that's where the pain that's where the out of the out of order behavior is and that is where the real work is done not flapping around on the floor because td jakes has his hand on your forehead and he's praying that's that's the show and i'm glad you brought up that the the part of her her not respecting him either in that dynamic but i i i imagine that there's other things that probably also again he still made a choice to cheat but Mm -hmm. I imagine there's some emas um, emasculating, emasculating. Mm -hmm. in that dynamic as well. Just even in that sermon where she's, where, where you're the woman that you talked to, I watched that, that when he was confessing during one of his other indiscretions and she had got up and she snatched the mic from him in the middle of him talking. Mm. Give her peace. Mm. And there was, and then in, in other you know, discussions where they've had, where she's talked about how she's kept, you know, he, and he reinforces how she kept him, keeps him in check and this and that. It just Ooh. very much like a mother child. 
versus, you know, this is my husband. And as you said before, and I'm going to cover him. Not that mm-hmm. I'm going to help, you know, correct him or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know about mm-hmm. chat. That might be too strong of a word. You know, I'm not in their home. So, I, you know, I'm just going right. by the things that she said and what I, what I observed that I, I'm right. speculating that that's probably a dynamic and it seems like that, that dichotomy is in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you have that dynamic, oftentimes that guy, that man is going to go seeking what he views as taking his mm-hmm. manhood back. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the thing. I think I said a long time ago and, and a lot of the women didn't understand, but I said, you know, most women treat their men subconsciously like children because black women have been raised to be this, this very strong, independent person that will only be with a man if he does certain things or falls in, you know, falls in line a certain way. Um, and men have, because unfortunately, most of our men, don't grow up with fathers in the home and they don't, they aren't taught or taken through the process of manhood because a female cannot raise a man. You can be a phenomenal mother, but you cannot make him into a man. They grow up and they, they cater to the, to the wife as they would when they were trying to please their mother. Right. Cause you, you, you ever meet a man and I, I'm not going to call him a, a mama's boy, but a man that d- goes above and beyond and does everything and wants to please his mother. Mm-hmm. The very same dynamic plays out in the marriage and women don't respect that. Her having to keep him in line or whatever it was that, you know, John Gray's wife was saying and her snatching a mic from him. Men, men don't, that's not attractive. No. So she doesn't respect him. And he's not attracted to her. What else is going to happen but him going out somewhere to find what he believes he needs to feel manly? Yep. You know, so this, this is deeper and this is more vast than, oh, him just having a little indiscretion. It's much deeper than that. The weight of this, the seriousness of, of what we're seeing play out here, the enormous uh, emotional tax on his wife, on his family, on his children. It's much, much deeper than that. I get patients all the time, Nakia, you've probably heard the same thing. You have a, 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 an adult on your couch. And when we start digging into their childhood, they say, my parents' marriage was not healthy. And I wished that they had divorced when I was a child. Yeah. Yeah. But parents have this twisted belief that we're going to stay together for the family and preserve them. It's so toxic. Well, not only that, and then the world, you know, we still have these relationship goals and all these hashtags the world still sees and, and will say things like things aren't the way they used to be. Couples aren't staying together. Well, some of that may be the fact that people want to break generational curses and have healed there you go. what toxic looks like and don't want to stay there. Yeah, that part. You know, my, well, my grandparents were together for, you know, 50-something years. I'm trying to think, you know, how long my grandparents were actually together for, mm-hmm. you know, before my grandfather passed. He passed when I was a baby. But I believe that they married in, like, 1939 or 1940. I, I believe he passed in 1986 
right? So that's easily 40 years. But you know what else I discovered was that my grandfather had outside children, right? So, so when my grandmother found out, God rest her soul, she stayed. Yeah. She remained. She stayed because that was what you were supposed to do. Whereas today, women are making choices to save themselves first. Not save the marriage, but to save themselves first. Marriage is a, con- marriage, marriage is a contract. And it's a business contract. It literally legally says you're entitled to certain benefits. But what we're talking about is you don't have a marriage. You, you don't even have a relationship. So what are you trying to save? Face? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, you literally can lose your mind in some of these relationships. I, I, I would not suggest staying in, in, in a situation like that. Mm. The emotion, like I was saying, I mean, the emotional, psychological toll being in, you know, these toxic relationships. There's no way. This is just in speaking you know, in, in, in terms of marriages in general and parenting, there's no way you can give your child your all mm. when you're in that um, unhealthy state of mind. Right. No way. There's no and, way. Nikia, that's a great way that you put that, giving your children your all. I know a lot of, a lot of women, single mothers in particular, that say, my children are my life and I live for my children. I'm like, that sounds great. I know what you're trying to say. I know that you love your children. But when you do that, what's left over for you? And when I say give your all, I mean give your all as far as parenting them the most effectively. I don't mean give every inch. You can't give every inch of yourself. to Right. That's not healthy for anyone. You You have to have some parts of you just for you to maintain you know, just like, you know, that, that um, saying you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't always give, give, give and never have anything for you. There has to right. be some, some replenishing, some recharging, all of that. Right. So when I say give your all, I was speaking in terms of being the most effective parent you possibly can. Mm. So giving, giving your all to the efficacy of parenting, which could also mean leaving an unhealthy situation. One healthy parent is always better than staying in an unhealthy um, marriage or, or, or home. Can you say that for the people in the back? One healthy parent is better than having your child in an unhealthy home. Mm. Because if, I mean, you can argue that that's not even, I mean, what, let's define home then. Because a home that's is supposed hard. to be safe. A home is supposed to be your refuge. Mm, your sanctuary. Yes. So if that child is growing in a dynamic that the energy is tense, they're fearful, they're nervous, you know, all of those negative energies that come along with being in a toxic situation, that's not even a home. Mm-hmm. That's not mm. a home. That's not a home that any child deserves. Right. Mm. That's real. That's real. And some people, you know, even without children being in a mix, some people just don't like being around their spouse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have to start really being very transparent and real about what's happening so that we can, we can move past that hill, you know, uh, dig up all the, all the bones 
of the whatever pain, whatever issue that you may be going through and, and bury them where they need to go. Put them to rest so that you can live without that baggage. There's this facade, I think, especially, you know, that black women, uh, there are more black women that are not married than married. And so I feel like we put a lot of undue pressure on ourselves to save face, to keep it, you know, to keep it going. You know, what will my family think? What will, what will these people think? Yeah. But your family isn't there living it. You know, you're the one that's walking it out every day. You know, and even in John Gray and his wife, Aventer, in their situation, I wish and pray healing for both of them because yes. you know this dynamic that we're seeing that continues to play out is a is an indicator that there's that they that they aren't healthy that they aren't healthy so they can't have a healthy marriage and then they can't like i you know i keep saying it and then they can't pour into others like they want that is true they cannot they're not equipped it, right it would be like them having sewage in a pitcher and that's what they're pouring out to folks mm. Now that's that's what they're pouring out to folks. That is a visual. Yeah. And, you know, make no mistake, this isn't judgment, you know, because they live a very public life. And the, the part of living a public life is that your stuff comes out in public a lot of the time. So we're simply commenting on what we have seen, you know, and there may be things behind the, you know, behind the scenes. Duh, that's anything. But, and not only that, this John Gray is not a isolated phenomenon. <laughs> so, you know, yes. him as an example, you know, there's a bigger picture here. He's not the only one in leadership that has done this. He's not the only one who has had a toxic relationship and has, mm-hmm. you know, mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. that has not been held accountable or that doesn't, hold, you know, doesn't take personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's right. But this is an opportunity to be able to visually see someone in that role and kind of walk through why is, why is this problematic? Why should this not be occurring? What can we do to mm. move forward? In contrast, what should it look like? What's healthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What should it look like? What, what would you say? Well, he, he says that he's going to go get therapy, so that's a start. But let me say this, people. When you go to therapy... If you go to therapy for performative measures, we're going to be able to tell. And I don't mean we as in therapists. I mean anybody. Because the proof is going to be in the pudding. Your behavior is right. so Nikia, can you, can you explain what you mean by performative for people who aren't very familiar with that, that term or that concept? So if you're going to therapy because it looks good, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to make it seem like you want help. If you, and, and sometimes performative could be, you know, you might genuinely say you want to go, go to therapy, but you're just not ready. And, uh-huh, or never go, right? <laughs> you know. You say, saying, you know, well, if you stay, right, or if you do this, I'm, I promise, I'm going to I'm gonna go to counseling, I'm going to go see somebody, and then the person stays, and then they don't. Or they may go, but then when they get there, they're not working on anything. So mm. that's is what I'm like, if you're not being very authentic, if you don't go into show up and, and self doesn't show up in that therapy room, 
If your representative shows up in that therapy room, mm. that's performative. <laughs> if you're not ready to say, yes, I cheated, okay, and, and put it all out there, and I'm, you know, I'm going back to John Gray in this example, putting it all out there, not saying, but at least I didn't do this. Or if only you would have did that. Ownership and accountability needs to be on you. You need to focus on your behaviors and how you can make a change. Mm, that's the word. Performative that's is that's the word. And everybody else. It's a waste of time. It truly is. Well, I hope that our listeners are able to understand and to see not from their self-righteous or uh you know, religious lens, but that this is human behavior playing out in a religious setting. Yes. And that because it's the, you know, because of the setting in which it's being played out, it needs to, there has, there's a better way to handle it. He should be set down. And you know what somebody said to me, somebody to me said, you know what, you need a license to be a doctor. You You know, you need a license to practice therapy or dentistry. You need a license to be a real estate agent, but you don't need a license to govern you, to govern you ethically as a pastor. Mm. So that when something like this, or like, I think there was a, there was a pastor here in Montgomery who was sleeping with women in the church and, and they contracted uh, HIV, but I believe he went on to pastor another church somewhere. Sure so there, you know, there's so much there's so much pathology mentally mm-hmm. so many wounded people that show up at the church looking for healing looking for that looking for that doctor when they mm. you know, it's, it's unfortunate i don't you know I, that's uh that's it's really scary honestly it's really scary that your life you know you're putting your life in the hands of someone who doesn't have any accountability Mm. but that's why I keep on I'll say it you know I think that um, religion and relationship needs to be very clearly taught because I think a lot of that breakdown comes from there yeah religion versus relationship Yeah. religion versus spirituality religion versus you being able to connect to God for yourself. You know, you have the same access that a pastor has. You have the same access to the same God that a pastor has. And so hanging your every word or your own salvation or spirituality or faith, hanging it, hanging that on somebody else's, you know, word or, or behavior is a very dangerous thing. Because they are, like he said, you know, we're human. And, you know, he's, he, you, we, we uh, a pastor ha- has uh, times where he falls short. He doesn't always get it right. Um, and, 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 you know, that dynamic, although they're, you know, called to lead, there needs to be some level of you kind of utilizing your ability to protect yourself. There's some level of... Um, Self-preservation. Yeah, self-preservation. You have to maintain that for yourself. And so part of that is really developing that relationship. 
we, you know, we understand there's, you know, there's healing within the church, but you, some of that, you have to do the work too. You can't rely on other out, you know, outside to, to do that for you. Because again, you know, our pastors are also human. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, you know, and I want to welcome, because I think that we should continue this conversation uh, and maybe have either Margaret uh, and Dr. Jeff back on. We got great feedback from, from when they were guests on the show. But just so that we can kind of take this to another level, because what we really want out of this conversation is uh, healing. Yes. And, and self-awareness and using this experience for our good. Yes. That is what we want to come out of this conversation. So for those of you who are listening, you can actually comment on some of the platforms. I know uh, Spotify allows you to comment. You know, if you have questions, if you want to inbox us or send a message to our DM, we're going to continue this conversation and have some special guests on so we can dig a little deeper. Uh, Nikhil, what are your closing words? What do you want our listeners and followers to know? What do you want to leave them with? Your relationship with God should never be a place of pain, fear, restriction. Mm. You know, there's freedom in that relationship, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to know him. You have to know him for yourself. Mm. You know, someone said to me that they used to look at people who would say things like, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And the person said, I used to look at them with disgust or shame them or look at them as lost. And once I became more spiritual than religious, I knew that I was the one that was lost. Mm -hmm. So what we, the moral of the story is we want y'all to be free. (laughs) Freedom. Yes. You know. Freedom. The shackles off, it's time to dance. Ain't it what Mary Mary said? (laughs) (laughs) Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. Indeed. You know, so I want to thank our listeners uh, for for sharing their comments, their feedback, you know, and, and if you're not feeling the show, we want to know that too. That's fine. We're not going to care, but, <laughs> but we want to know. No opinion is insignificant. Um, so we welcome you to, uh, to DM or inbox us. We want to thank you all for giving us your time uh, on today listening to this episode of the Down to the White Meat podcast, where we continue to support and help Black folks get real about their ish. I'm C. Anderson here with Nikia Lowry, and we will see you next time on Down to the White Meat.